Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind Podcast. Here is your host, Justin Strawn. Welcome to the final edition of the Starkville State of Mind Podcast for the 2018-19 academic year for Mississippi State. Mississippi State did fall last night to the Louisville Cardinals 4-3. We will discuss it and what things look like for the Bulldogs in the future here in just a moment. Before we do all that, though, obviously I want to tell you guys about Cherokee Valley Golf Club. If you're not out on, if you're not out in the DeSoto County area, then you need to make sure the next time that you are, that you stop by Cherokee Valley, give them your golfing time, give them your golfing money. They have a wonderful course out there for you. Great facilities, great practice facilities. And if you happen to be in the area on July 2nd, stop by and play in their red, white, and blue scramble. It's a, one of the more unique events that they do all year long in which they set up nine holes and you and a partner play three holes from the red tees, three holes from the white tees, three holes from the blue tees. It's a lot of fun. My son and I play in it every single year. Looking forward to playing in it again this year. So if you are in the area on July 2nd, like I said, give them a call, 662-893-4444, or go online to olivebranchgolf.com. Tell them you want to play in the red, white, and blue scramble and give them some of your golfing business. All right, like I said, uh, we are going to be discussing Mississippi State's loss to Louisville Cardinals, which eliminates them from the College World Series. Probably going to be a relatively short show. Uh, we're going to discuss it and just kind of what the future looks like for the, the baseball team. Uh, we'll be discussing that, so let's go ahead and jump into it. Mississippi State, they go up 3 nothing. They get six really strong, solid innings from JT Ginn. JT Ginn pitches six innings, doesn't give up a single run had just really what you exactly what you needed from him he get, got you six innings they turned it over to jared Leebelt and to cole gordon and for one of the few times this year those two didn't come up big for the bulldogs uh, almost every single time that those two came in you could just about count on the bulldogs coming out with a win and this time though they weren't able to get the job done and that's where it all started look part of the problem is that the offense in the college world series just was a no-show the bulldogs just could not score like they had been scoring all year long and when you aren't getting the run production that you're accustomed to because mississippi state they average like six or seven runs per game let me look that up real quick. Uh, I mean, 530 runs in 67 games. That's about that's about seven runs per game. Uh, maybe a little bit less, but it's right around seven runs per game. And when you only get less than four per game, that's a problem. Uh, Mississippi State scored five against Auburn, and let's let's also remember four of those came in the bottom of the ninth against Auburn. And two of them came after an error was committed by the third baseman with two outs. There's, it's quite possible that they would have only scored three in the game against Auburn. They scored three against Vanderbilt. They scored three against Louisville. And like I said, when you're scoring seven runs a game, three's not bad, but it puts a lot of pressure on your pitching staff to be as close to perfect as possible. And the Bulldogs pitching staff just it, – it wasn't as – it wasn't there this time. They weren't able to bail out the offense when they needed them. And that's kind of the problem with baseball. Baseball, I mean, I talked about this when the postseason started. Thankfully, we didn't see it with the Bulldogs in the regional or the super regional, but it came back, it popped its head up in the College World Series. You have two or three games in a postseason setting 
in baseball where you just don't play your best, where you kind of where the bats kind of go cold, and all of a sudden the next thing you know your postseason is over, and that was the case for the Bulldogs in the College World Series. The the bats went cold. They weren't hitting they weren't hitting very well with runners in the scoring position. They weren't getting the extra base hits that they were accustomed to getting, and once that happened, the game. That was it for the Bulldogs. They they ended up only scoring 11 runs in the three games. Like I said, it's just under four runs per game, and that's not what the offense was accustomed to producing throughout the season. And once again, Jared Leibelt and Cole Gordon, who had been so consistent and so solid all year long, coming in for Ethan Small or whoever it may be, after six or seven innings, and those two guys just couldn't get it done. They the walks were hurt. The walks hurt. They free pay the the Base hits with to the leadoff hitters each inning; those were critical. Once because because JT Ginn only gave up one, only allowed one leadoff man to get on base throughout his first six innings. And the seventh, eighth, and ninth. I know in the seventh and the ninth. I'm not sure about the eighth, but I know at least in the seventh and the ninth, the leadoff man got on both of those innings. The Bulldogs gave up leadoff. Uh, they give up a total of, I think, four leadoff walks? No. So, somewhere around there. But uh, in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, they, they, all four of those runs were basically because the early, the early hitters got all, got on base in the inning, and that's what ended up costing Mr. State the game. Look, I don't want to harp on it too much because let's basically let's, let's wrap up this year and let's just wrap up and kind of put a bow on uh, what we have for this year. Mississippi State is going is saying goodbye to a, a decent number of players. Jake Mangum, Dustin Skelton, um, Elijah McNamee, those are the position players that will be heading on to either the major leagues or are just wrapping up their careers. Hopefully Elijah McNamee will find some place to play in major league baseball. I really think that somebody's going to take a chance on him and just give him a shot. I, look, I don't know if he'll make it, but I think there will be some people out there who will at least give him a shot. I'm, I forgot about uh, Marshall Gilbert. Uh, he's also headed to the, uh, he's headed to the major leagues as well. Pitching wise, they're losing a little bit more. They're losing Ethan Small, obviously Peyton Plumley, Jared Leibelt, uh, Cole Gordon is gone, and Keegan James is likely going to go ahead and sign with the team that drafted him. So you're losing all of those guys. Uh, I'm forgetting somebody. Who am I forgetting? Is it Colby White? Was was he the one that got drafted as well? I think he was. Hold on, let me check that real quick because there is one other guy that got drafted that I'm forgetting. Yeah, Colby White is the guy that I was forgetting. Uh, he was drafted as well. Now. They're all everyone who was drafted is probably gone, with the lone exception of Tanner Allen. Tanner Allen was drafted, but most people seem to think that he will come back and try to improve his draft stock. I don't think he will, uh, but try to improve his draft stock and go a little bit higher in the draft as a junior. He was a draft eligible sophomore that was drafted this year, but he should be back. So what does that mean? For the, let's look at the lineup. The guys coming back. Tanner Allen, like I said, should be back. Justin Foskey will be back. Jordan Westberg and Rowdy Jordan. Those are the guys that you can expect to be back. Josh Hatcher will also be back. Gunnar Halter will be back. Uh, the only that basically means you've got to find a you got to find a few replacements. You got to find a replacement for for. Jake Mangum, Jake Mangum will likely, uh, Rowdy Jordan will likely shift over to center field. You got to find a replacement for 
Elijah McNamee. Uh, you could see Josh Hatcher go out to right field. That's where he, he, he subbed in for Elijah McNamee as well this year. So you, he could become the full-time replacement as the right fielder. Second base is good. First base is good. Uh, shorts up. Really, you gotta find a, you got to find a replacement third baseman. It could be a number of guys. Uh, they may end up – there's no – Based on what I have seen, there isn't a, there's not a true third baseman on the roster. My guess is they could bring in a transfer, or they could end up doing like they did with Marshall Gilbert and have somebody else uh, transition. That Luke Hancock, they may do the same thing with Luke Hancock. Luke Hancock looked really good at times. He is a catcher, but I think they really like what Hayden Jones brings behind the plate now he offensively Hayden Jones didn't do a whole lot this year but he only had a total of 49 at bats on the year so it's really kind of hard to say just how good or bad he he will or won't be on just 49 plate appearances so he could be the catcher you could have Luke Hancock move out to move over to third base like I said you just gotta find a third outfielder uh it could be Brad Cumbus he, he could be uh, your third outfielder as well so the lineup, I think, will be fine. What you've got to find is you've got to find who's going to replace your starting pitching. JT Ginn is going to move up to the, the Friday night role. JT Ginn was really good this year. Uh, if it hadn't been for a few uh, fatigue issues, he probably would have been even better than he was this year. I mean, he went 8-4 and four with a 313 ERA, struck out 105 hitters in 86 in the third innings. That's really good. Gave up just one home run this year. That's really impressive. The fact that a freshman can go 86 innings and only give up one home run, that's that's really tough to do. Hitters hit just 220 against him th- this year. He is an ace. He is going to probably be drafted again in the first round, probably even higher than he was after his sophomore season. So, uh, will he come back after his sophomore season? I don't know. I don't even think about that at this point. Uh, but basically, you've got to find some guys to replace Ethan Small and Peyton Plummer. Like I said, JT Ginn will move up to the Friday night role. So, who's going to be your starters after that? It looks pretty obvious that Brandon Smith will be one of those guys who moves into a starting role. He got some time. He got some uh, starts there at the end of the season he looked really good at times so i would expect brandon smith to to take over as probably your saturday starter that means you need a sunday starter could it be eric sarantola that's a possibility could it be jack egan i don't think so he looks more like a a reliever than anything else but my money would say eric sarantola if they can get his control issues worked out and then basically you've got to start working in the bullpen uh the guys that could start to step up and have more of an impact. You've got guys like uh, Jack Egan will probably take a bigger role in the bullpen. Uh, you've probably got Riley Self. Hopefully, will be able to, will start to look more like his freshman and sophomore years than his junior campaign. If he can, if he can kind of get back to that form, then. He will be a really good option as a senior if he comes back. Now, there's always possibility when you start talking about seniors that they don't come back. I don't think – Riley Self, I think, still has a full year of eligibility, and I don't think he's graduated yet, so I would expect him to come back. Uh, Tristan Barlow will probably likely – he'll need to take a big step forward. He just – there were times when he looked really good, but the, the last, I don't know, probably 
10 appearances that he had, he, he struggled big time. So he's going to stick, take a step forward. Uh, Bryce Brock didn't pitch that much. He only pitched in eight and a third innings, gave up seven earned runs. I would expect him to have a bigger role on the team next year as well. Uh, take a little bit of a step forward and become a little bit better pitcher than he has was this past year. Uh, Tyler Spring will likely have a bigger role. Um, you know, I don't know about Kel Bro. Kel Bro pitched one-third of an inning this year. I don't know if his time is done. Uh, he's the guy that showed a lot of promise at times, but he, he just he's suffered too much in terms of injuries throughout his career to really get a good grasp for what he is capable of. So they're going to have to find some more help in the pitching department, but I think they'll be okay. I think they'll obviously they'll have some guys who will come in either through the JUCO ranks or uh, incoming freshmen that will uh, come in and step in and take big step forwards for the Bulldogs and be contributing factors for this team in the 2020 season. Now, what does that mean? How will they be next year? Look, I think they'll be a good offensive club. I think there will be some struggles pitching. I think they'll have a little bit more difficult time putting up zeros than they did this year. And look, Ethan Small was as good as they came. He, like I've said this this year, I honestly believe that Ethan Small had arguably the best year as a pitcher for any Mississippi State pitcher in the history of the school. That was that solid and that good of a year. It's going to be hard to to, to get somebody who can do that again. JT Ginn is, despite all of his talent, if he were to come close to that, it would be great, but that's that's asking quite a bit for a player to put up those types of numbers. Like I said, it might have been the best year ever for a pitching, but Look, this team will still be a postseason team. This team will still likely be a regional host. The question is, you know, I don't know that they're going to be a top eight national seed next year, but I think this is a team that can host a regional for the first round. And, you know, who knows if whoever you're paired with in the 2020 season, if they get upset, then you can end up hosting another super regional and make it back to the College World Series. That's always possible. It's not going to be like it was next this past year where I don't think anybody's going to expect them to get to the College World Series. That was very much expected this year. And this year was, look, it's a little bit of a disappointment. There's no question about that. This was a really good team. This is one of the best teams that Mississippi State has ever fielded. 52-15 and 15 is a is one of the better records that a Mississippi State team has ever posted throughout the course of its history. It was a really good team. It was as good as the 2016 team. You know, I didn't see the 1985 team, but I would say it was probably pretty close to that one as well. And this team just, it, the bats went cold, and that's all there is to it. I mean, one of these days, I think Mississippi State is going to hoist a national championship trophy on the on TD Ameritrade Park. I really believe that. And every year that they come up short, it just makes it a little bit more frustrating, the fact that they weren't able to get there. So, you know, like I said, it's disappointing that Mississippi State's season has come to an end, but... Based off what we've seen from Chris Lamonis, I mean, yes, he inherited a very good team. He inherited a talented roster. But, you know, we saw Joe Moorhead inherit a talented roster, and they disappointed. They really disappointed this year. Chris Lamonis didn't. He took a team that was talented, and he made them one of the best in the country. So, look, the team the team's in good hands, uh, despite all the hand-wringing after Chris Lamonis was hired because nobody knew who he was. It looks like it's going to be a really good hire, and it looks like the team is in capable hands. 
we'll just have to wait and see if Chris Lamonis is going to end up getting Mississippi State its first ever national championship. And I guess that's really the question is, is Mississippi State going to get a national championship? If they are, is it going to come in women's basketball or is it going to come in baseball first? I, I really think it's going to come in, in – I, mean, I, I kind of think if, since the baseball team didn't get it done this year that the basketball team, the women's basketball team might get it done they might have a chance of getting it done better. They just put, they just recruited an incredible recruiting class. I don't know that this year is the year they get it done, but maybe next year is twenty, like during the twenty twenty one season. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they both, maybe both the baseball team and women's basketball team, maybe they're going to be set up pretty well for uh, twenty twenty one national title runs. We'll see. So, uh, really, that's about it in terms of baseball. The only other thing I do want to cover, uh, I do want to cover the fact that uh, Quinn Derry Weatherspoon was drafted by the San Antonio Spurs on Thursday night. Really good for him. I didn't see it when it happened, but I woke up to it this morning and saw it on the saw it on Twitter. Uh, really proud for him. That's higher than I thought he would go. Uh, it's really good for him that he's going to the Spurs. The Spurs, if there's a team that can figure out how to use Quindary Weatherspoon's talents, it's the Spurs. The Spurs are just that type of a team, and I can see him fitting in very, very well with the Spurs organization. So really proud of him, really proud of the fact that he's able to get drafted. Uh, look forward to seeing him on the Spurs. Not so much. Hopefully he'll have a really good career, but being a Memphis Grizzlies fan, that really hurts because the Spurs have been Grizzlies killers throughout the years, and I'm sure that he's just going to become one of them. So. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, just to give you an, an idea, I'm taking some time off from the show just because it's the summer. I want to enjoy my summer. I want to enjoy my time with my kids. And honestly, I just don't enjoy doing – I just don't enjoy, enjoy doing off-season football stuff. I, I can only do so much of that before I start to absolutely lose my mind. Um, so – I'm going to take some time off. Uh, looking at the calendar, it looks like I'm going to probably take about two weeks off. Uh, SEC Media Days start on July 15th, so I will probably come back the week before that. I'll probably go ahead and take these next two weeks off, take all of uh, the rest of June off, and take that first week, the week of the July 4th off as well. Come back July 8th. Look, I don't know how I'm going to do the shows once – I come back, uh, obviously, during the week of SEC Media Days, July 15th. I'll be discussing it, things that we can expect to talk about and things that we'll expect Joe Moorhead to talk about, stuff like that. I'll discuss those things for SEC Media Days, but the rest of the time, you know, I may do some user-generated content. I may open it up to Twitter uh, saying, hey, what do you guys want to talk about? Uh, and just kind of open it up to you guys. I don't know. We'll see. I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, once I come back on July 8th, I will let you know. It'll either be July 8th or July 9th, one of the two. So uh, until then, though, guys, I uh, appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, we're wrapping up the 2018-19 academic year, and we look forward to a really good 2019-2020 academic year. So appreciate you guys to tuning in, and as always, until next time, hail state.